I like to be a positive person, but I think when you are so positive that you get to the point where it's like a detriment to feel negative emotion and you don't allow it, those negative emotions will always be there, whether you shove them behind the door or not. And so now I feel like I'm allowing myself to be scared and just be proud of myself to be scared, but also just move forward. And that like that, that scared feeling is not going to stop me. We all face obstacles in our lives. And sometimes the way we react to those barriers ends up being the most important part of the story. My guest today struggled for years to get pregnant, but through all the ups and downs, Jenica Parcell learned some valuable lessons. Now she's a mom to two adorable twins and is working to help other women who face similar struggles. Today, Jenica is sharing with me why she thinks it's so important to be open about our fears, plus what she hopes every person feels when they visit her home. Welcome to Heart of the Home, a podcast exploring the personal histories that inspire our surroundings, candid conversations about the stories behind the pretty pictures, tales of design and renovations gone wrong and right, because a home isn't just a structure filled with themes, it's the people who live there. So join me as we explore the unique stories that help each of us find our way home. Jenica, you look so lovely today. Well, thank you. That's why I like to hang out with you. Well, you, you always look like lovely. That. Well, I would tell you, I always tell you the truth, but you thank do you. look very beautiful today. <laughs> You're so nice. Thank you. You, ever since the very first time I met you, I've got to tell you, and this is not just flattery because you're on my podcast. You just have like this energy and this bubbly light where you just kind of exude happiness. Have you kind of always been that way? Like That's just so a nice. happy person? Um, yeah, I, honestly, I would say in general. And, you know, I've gone through periods of time where it's been harder to get to that point. And then I've done a lot of work mentally. And we, we, you know, we can talk about this later, but I did life coaching and was certified in that and understanding how to get back to that place when you're not feeling it as easily is super important. So yes and no. Yes and no. It, you, it's a conscious choice. Though, oh yeah, for absolutely. You. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about your childhood, growing up a little bit. Okay. I know you have a sister. Yes, I have two. Two sisters. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I've only yeah. met the one sister. Yeah. So tell me about what your childhood was like and where you grew up. So we moved around a lot when I was a child. So I, I was born in Provo and then we moved around a little bit like in Utah Valley and then I went to like four different elementary schools and then we moved to Texas when I was in fifth grade. I went to two middle schools there and then one high school and then came back here to go to BYU. And it was a lot, but it's cool to look back to see how that shaped how I interact with people because you are forced to make friends and it's not just going to happen for you. So I feel like that's worked to my benefit because I feel like I can walk into anywhere and just take that upon myself to be the person that's going to be someone's friend. Yeah. Um, what kind of home was your home? Was it a happy home? Was it a fun home? Yeah, I would say it was happy. Um, I feel like I had a really good childhood. My parents ended up getting divorced when I was an adult, but I feel like I was shielded from any of their issues that they had with each other, which is such a blessing. And so honestly, I grew up in a beautiful environment and I felt like I was allowed to be a kid and play with my sisters and just really had a good childhood. Where do you rank in sisters? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Um, 
do you feel like that has shaped your outlook on life and and your perspective kind of being the oldest? Because I can see clear differences between each of my girls, right? Like my oldest, everyone says, oh, she's such an oldest child, right? But I'm the youngest in my family, so I don't really know. I'm not an oldest child, but do you feel like that has shaped your outlook a little bit? Yeah, I feel like I have had to learn not to be such a control freak. See, I'm a control freak, but I'm the youngest. What does that say about me? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just wanted until recently, I would even say, I feel like we're all just kind of learning and growing as we go through life. But I always wanted to know everything about my sisters and I wanted to protect them from different things. And I realized that, you know, and I think it's also becoming apparent, but I realized that that's not what's best for them and that you just need to let people live their lives. And, and even though you want what's best for them, you can't control them and it can really interfere with your relationship if you do as you know, it's understandable. No one wants to be controlled. And so anyway, yeah, I feel like it's, I'm, I've been like more nosy in particularly in their <laughs> relationships. So, but I also, at the same time, I feel like I'm, I'm like extra responsible. Like I had to babysit a lot when I was younger. So it's two edged sword. And I think that you can just really, if you're aware of your weaknesses, uh, you can help kind of tone those down a little bit and then also take what you've learned based on your experiences to apply it to all everything else. So I, I feel like I'm very responsible. I follow through what I say with what I say I'm going to do. And I feel like that has come from being responsible as an oldest child. Okay. So you uh, come back to Utah, you're living in Texas, come back to Utah to go to BYU. Mm-hmm. Talk about um, meeting your husband and starting, you know, moving into your first house and, and that stage of life. Yeah. So I dated several people, obviously, as we all do (laughs) when we're in college. But it's so interesting because the person I ended up marrying grew up across the street from my cousin who I ended up rooming with when we were sophomores. And so we reconnected because, I mean, we didn't know each other super well, but when I would go to play at her house when I was like in third, fourth and fifth grade, his sisters would come over who are my now sister-in-laws. And so we knew of their family. And so we reconnected because she had gone to high school with him and his sisters and he's four years older than us, but we just kind of started hanging out as friends. And so he's who I ended up marrying. And when we got married, we moved in with his parents briefly because they had like a mother-in-law apartment. And then we moved into our own house in Provo and it was just not cute. Like I didn't know what my style was then. (laughs) And looking back on it, everything was brown. If you had a decision to make, I'm like brown. And I'm like, that is not my style at all. (laughs) And so looking back on it, I just didn't really know. So it's been fun to find out what I actually like and be able to create that for myself now. But brown was like apparently my true heart's desire back then. Yes, because I've been to your house now and it's not brown. No, no, the carpet's not brown. The cabinets aren't brown. Nothing's brown. (laughs) Nothing's brown. (laughs) (laughs) No. So we've, we've come a long way. What conversations did you and Tyler have when you were like setting up your life and your home environment. I mean, what what did you guys talk about? Like, we want to be in this type of home or we want to have this type of house. Um, to be completely honest with you, I don't we don't really talk about that that much because he's super easygoing. He grew up in a family that moved a lot. His family was builders growing up. And so they would build and sell at least every two or three years. Wow. And so I think that he never got really super attached to a home, which was actually kind of nice for me because I, he's always let me make a lot of decisions 
like totally given me my freedom, which is, I guess it's a little stressful at the same time because there's a lot of pressure, but he's always been very relaxed and just let me do whatever I want. It's a great husband. That's nice. It's exactly the type of husband anyone <laughs> wants. <laughs> you get all get to make all the design decisions, yeah. honey. Yeah, it's been awesome, honestly. And he's, I mean, there's certain things looking back and I'm like, how did you let us have pink chairs, like hot pink chairs? And he just went with it. He's super easy going. He's like, that's good. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, why did I do hot pink chairs? It's like, I'm like, for my mom was like, you're not going to love those for, for a long term. And she was right. A year later, I was like, okay, we're going to list this online and sell these. <laughs> they were good for a hot pink second. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're not great anymore. Yeah. Um, life kind of threw you guys some curveballs mm-hmm. in your relationship. Yeah. Um, and I want to get to what you've turned it into, but when you guys decided, okay, we're ready to start a family, mm-hmm. tell me what happened, the journey that happened. So the day after we got engaged, Tyler was like, okay, let's start a family next year. And I was like, we need to just hold the reins here. I was like, I am 21. I am actually a baby myself. You know, <laughs> looking back on it, I like literally felt like a child. I kind of was a child. Most people don't get married that young, honestly. And so I told him I wanted to wait a few years and I had never had any indication that infertility would be an issue for me or for us. And so we waited probably, I would say five or six years and finally decided that we were ready. And honestly, at that point, it came as a relief to me because that motherhood instinct, I knew I thought I will, I hoped would come, but it didn't, it wasn't there always. And so I knew that eventually I would want to have a family. I wouldn't want to get old and just have it be me and him always, but it was a relief when I wanted to start trying. And I was like, great, that's, you know, that was our battle. And now we've decided, and now we can start trying. And we tried for a year and it didn't happen. And then we saw a fertility specialist and then three IUIs and three rounds of IVF later, we finally got our twins. That's a lot. How long from when you decided you were going to start trying to when you actually got pregnant with the twins? It was about three years. So we went through it fairly fast. Um, partially due to the fact that I was working at a software company at the time that had really great insurance. And so we were really blessed with the fact that they paid for most of it. Looking back, I bet it was around 200, like $200,000 on what we oh my gosh. had to go through. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of threw myself into it. And looking back on it, I would probably have spaced it out a lot more because I ended up getting sick. I got preeclampsia with the twins and I ended up getting Epstein-Barr virus, which is a virus that causes mono that a lot of people can get if you go through something either traumatic physically or emotionally. And so I've been healing from that last year and I'm, I'm good now. But um, yeah, here we are now. I mean, it all worked out. Well, you your pregnancy with the twins was not easy either. Yeah. I mean, I... You were so swollen. Oh my gosh. Like rolls on my ankles. I literally thought I would get stretch marks on my ankles. Like I'm like, most people worry about their stomachs. I'm like, put the cream on the ankles, people. (laughs) It was insanity. It was, you looked so uncomfortable. Oh, it was next level. I couldn't even bend my ankles. It's just, it was so ridiculous. I started gaining like 10 pounds a week towards probably like week 28. And I'm like, this is not normal. And so how I found out I had preeclampsia was I actually took Tyler to his post-op appointment for a nasal surgery that he had had to correct his deviated septum. And we were like, I won't deliver for at least another six weeks. We're fine. And so I took him to his post-op appointment and I felt really horrible that day. And I had his doctor check my blood pressure, which was really high. And then long story short, got checked into the hospital, had to deliver (laughs) at 32 weeks. And thankfully the twins are okay. They had to be in the NICU for five weeks. But I, at that point I was so sick that I'm like, just get them out. And 
luckily everything worked out. Yeah. Still and now, now you have these two beautiful, completely different ones. Like, I don't know how to describe your twins, but yeah. they are so adorable, funny, like the things that you post online, just like keep me laughing. Tell us about Har- Harris and Goldie. Oh, they're hilarious. So Harris is our little boy. He is so fun and so sweet. He's like, I just feel like you feel closer to heaven when you're with him. His soul is so pure. And he's the one that always tells the truth. I can always count on. <laughs> <laughs> he just has like, you look at his big blue eyes and he's just like pure and so sweet and fun. And Goldie is so sweet too. She's very, I feel like she's very in tune to like the spirit. Like when I am, even when I don't physically show that I'm having a hard time, she can sense it. So she'll just like, look at me and be like, mommy, I love you or something like that. But she is so mischievous and hilarious. She, I mean, she keeps us laughing all the time. So they're just fun. It's really fun to be able to see how different they are. And honestly, like I'm doing my best as a parent, but kids are exactly how they come. Amen. So like, I mean, I'm doing my best, but they turn out how they want to turn out. So (laughs) they turn out how they want to turn out. Sometimes I look at them and I'm like, where did you come from? What? I don't understand what's happening. Oh, it's hilarious. How did your home change once you had twins? Well, there's all hell broke loose. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, for real, though, kind of honestly, it was crazy. So holy cow, we had tried for so long. I was so grateful. And I think for a while, I honestly feel like the last like five years have really helped me to be able to process like hard negative emotions because I didn't allow myself to do that for so many years because I'm like, we tried so hard to have these babies. I'm not allowed to think they're hard. It's hard. So I would just like eat gummy bears and like pretend that everything was fine. And like gummy bears can only hold you off for so long. Like the skeletons are still in the closet. And so honestly, from like 18 months to like four years, we were just in the trenches and I was just trying to make it day by day. And it was so fun. Like, I'm so glad we took videos and pictures because looking back, it's so precious. But man, if anyone who has twins, if you can get to like age four and a half, it's so fun now. And it always was fun, but it was like just literally mass chaos. And it's all consuming too. Oh, yeah. When when you've been through something, when your body has been through something traumatic, when you've been through something emotionally that's so closely tied to something so sacred, yeah. It's it creates like this whole range of problems and emotions and mm-hmm. issues. You know, I had some really traumatic experiences having kids as well, and mm-hmm. I feel like I still have PTSD. Like yeah. I have a 9-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 4-year-old, and I still I think about getting pregnant again and I literally want to crawl under this table in the fetal position and cry. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's hard though because you think I have so much to be grateful for. Yeah, of course. Like I shouldn't feel this way because I I have so much to be grateful for. But Mm -hmm. I literally would rather get a root canal on every single tooth than go through a pregnancy again. I really would. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, and I was like that for so long. I feel like I was like literally paralyzed with fear. And becoming a life coach has really helped me because we learned this model and it, it helped me to identify what thoughts were causing that for me because I was the same way. I would I would start talking to someone about having another baby and I would be totally fine up until that conversation. And all of a sudden I'd be like, why do I just want to cry and hide right now? And so I really started examining why that was happening for me. And it was because this thought was coming up that I shouldn't have to experience this again. I had done infertility. I'd been through that experience. Check it off the list. I've, you know, I should get to have a normal pregnancy now. And while, yeah, you could argue that that's true, that wasn't benefiting me because you could see the anxiety it was causing in my life. And truly, I don't believe 
I honestly don't believe that. I think that all of us as human beings, no matter what trials we experience, we all have one thing or another. And for me, just accepting that circumstance that this is my life right now was able to bring me so much peace because I do believe that if it wasn't this trial, I'd be something else. And I know that I'll experience other trials in the future. And fighting against that was only causing me harm. It wasn't changing my circumstance. I wasn't magically going to get magically going to get pregnant thinking that way. And so just really realizing that it's okay that it's hard and I'm a human. And so of course I think that it's hard, but I'm also going to move forward because I believe that this is the experience that life is giving me. And just that thought has brought me so much peace and I'm able to move forward confidently with self-confidence, knowing that I can experience any feeling because that's really all it is. I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, there are physical issues, mm-hmm. you know, but mostly it's the feelings I think we're scared of most of the time and feeling like anxiety or fear or just any type of discomfort. And when you're willing to accept that you can feel all of those and make it through, but you're just going to move forward anyway, I think that's where a lot of self-confidence comes from. Wow. That's really profound that you were able to connect all of those dots and come to that conclusion. I don't think I'm there. <laughs> I took a while there. Um, now you are to a point where you're attempting to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Baby number three. Baby number three. Yeah. Um, how do you think this experience is going to be different? And do you feel like you're prepared differently this time than you were when you went through it the first time around? Yeah, I think honestly, it was a two edged sword because the first time you go and blindsided, you have no idea what to expect. And then the second time I kind of compared it to looking into the barrel of a gun because you know what's coming and it's terrifying. But at the same time, I also know how to prepare myself now. Whereas before, like I said, I went in blindsided. So I don't necessarily think that I gave myself the support that I needed. Whereas now I know that I need to rest. Like if this first cycle of IVF doesn't work, I'm going to wait a few months and give myself mentally and physically that time to rest before I start again. And then hopefully I won't get so sick like I did last time. And I have the tools mentally also to accept the negative feelings and realize there's nothing that's gone wrong. And I haven't gone wrong in any way to feel that way. I'm just a human. And I think before I like, like you said in the beginning, I'd like to be a positive person, but I think when you are so positive that you get to the point where it's like a detriment to feel negative emotion and you don't allow it, those negative emotions will always be there, whether you shove them behind the door or not. And so now I feel like I'm allowing myself to be scared and just be proud of myself to be scared, but also just move forward. And that like that, that scared feeling is not going to stop me. I was going to say, it actually is quite brave to put out there publicly into the universe. We're trying to have another baby, right? Mm -hmm. Because then if things don't go as planned, it becomes a hard thing to talk about. Um, why did you do it differently like this? Why, why, you know, for me, I'm, I tend to kind of be a private person in general, but I had a hard time even saying out loud, I'm pregnant until I was so far along that I felt somehow safe that nothing was going to go wrong. Right. Because things had gone wrong before. So I was like, Oh, I, am I going to be able to say, so how do you think you, first became comfortable with that idea of just sharing it before you things even really happen and and two do you feel like this is a better way to do it and why yeah that's such a great question and i think it's so relatable because i think in as society in general 
for some reason, there's this unspoken rule that you announce your pregnancy when you're past your first trimester, because if you're, if you have a miscarriage and I'm like, I don't understand that when I look back at it, because for me, a, there's no shame in having a miscarriage. It's very common. And B, when you do, do you want the support? Like if I'm really sad, I want support. And I was terrified to share about our infertility the first time. We didn't share it until we had already done three IUIs and two rounds of IVF because initially looking into it, I thought the same thing. I thought I'll share the success story, right? It's very vulnerable to share when you're in the middle of it. Absolutely. And so I was terrified. I remember my heart pounding. I was sweating when I, when I posted about it, but i but I got so tired of just carrying it on my own that it, I physically felt like my shoulders were being pushed down. And so when we shared, I was so blown away with the amount of support that came in. And honestly, if I hadn't experienced it myself, I don't even know if I would believe it because people said they would, they were praying for us. And I physically felt lighter. Like I actually felt like my shoulders were physically lighter. And so that's why I decided to share this time was that I feel like for me personally, just setting up that support system for myself is so important. And then I also think for me, I'm a religious person. I believe in God who created me. And I think that there's an adversary who doesn't want us to share because a, he wants us to think we need to do it on our own. He wants us to feel isolated. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think that feelings of shame about our body are very common in infertility, that our bodies aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I just think that's such a lie. I think that our bodies are incredible and and any experience with infertility is given for us, not against us. And I just think that it's terrifying because he doesn't want us to feel supported. And I think that it feels very isolating when you're experiencing it. And you can talk yourself into the fact that, you know, people don't want to be burdened by it and things like that. But I am under the, just based on my own experience, I think I want my support, you know, and I think it's important for people to know that it's okay to not be perfect because there's also that misconception that like we need to have it all together and our bodies need to be perfect. And I am not ashamed that my body isn't doing what it's quote unquote supposed to be doing. I think my body's incredible. I think that my, that I'm, I'm grateful for doctors who can help me. And I just want other women to be able to feel that because I've talked to so many people who, when they did decide to share, they were so grateful that they had that support system in place to get through it so much more easily. You know, a lot of women experience infertility, not a lot of women share about it publicly, but then to go even further, you have taken your experience with infertility and you've turned it into a mission and a cause uh, to help other women. Tell us about that. Yeah, I just, it's so interesting. I started my blog in 2014, I think, and I had no idea I'd experienced infertility at the time. And so looking back, it's so easy to see how God used that to help other women with infertility. And I just really feel like he's laid like little breadcrumbs along the way. So I decided to share. I had no idea at that point how many people experienced it. And then I was blown away by emails I got from people around the world who randomly found my blog and said, oh, thanks for talking about it. I don't know anyone else that's experiencing it, probably because they are not opening up about it, right? I think that they probably do know people that are experiencing it. They just haven't talked about it with people because I feel like up until the last few years, it's been more of a taboo topic. And so I feel like he has, God has used my platform, if you will, to help these women. And I just feel like it's my mission to give them these tools that I then learned to manage my mind mentally in it so that I could use my mind because I'm 
all of us are completely in control, whether we realize it or not of our thoughts. And so I've learned this model that I want to teach women to help them with their infertility. And it all starts with our thoughts. And so I just feel like he's given me this platform to teach them and also just remind them who they are, which is a daughter of God. And he loves them. Um, you also help raise money for women who are going through infertility treatments that Mm -hmm. are very, very expensive. Um, Tell us about A Slice of Sun. Yes. Okay. The Slice of Sun is such a beautiful community of these amazing women who just come together. And so right now how it works is I have products like pajamas and socks and sweatshirts and they're really good socks, by the way. Oh, thank I you. I have some. Thanks. I'll send you some PJs too. Yay. Yeah. They're so comfy. And so a portion of every cell goes to women with infertility. And then I'll be launching a like an infertility coaching membership to work with people and apply the tools that I teach them to help manage their mind through this crazy process. You know, as hard as your experience has been, it really is as though you have been placed in this position where you have the right tools, right? The right, right resources, the right life experiences to help the masses. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I really do. And it's so beautiful too. looking back. Like for example, I was really struggling with my health last year, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned that, that I had got Epstein-Barr last year, which is that virus that causes mono. And I really had to change my diet and all of that. And it's so cool to see what resources God has placed in my life to support me to get to a place where I can then support other people. I met someone online, her name's Amanda. I think about six years ago, we were both doing IVF the first time. And I called her back in January because I said, I I realized that my body image issues were draining my energy. And I was pouring so much energy into kind of picking my body apart a little bit. And it had become so normal to me that I didn't even realize what a problem it was until I kind of brought it up to my husband. Like every single time I look in the mirror, these these are the thoughts I think, like I'm just kind of picking myself apart. And he was like, oh, and, and and, I, and then I was like, oh, that's not normal. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, I called her, God had placed me in you know, each us in each other's lives like six years ago. I called her and she had gone on this year and a half health journey to quit flour and sugar. And I called her specifically about that when I asked her how she was feeling. And she said, honestly, it's mostly mental. She's like, I feel good physically, but it's mostly mental. I have such a better relationship with myself. And I'd realized at that point, if I don't get this under control, I can't help women with infertility because all of my energy is being drained into improving myself, quote unquote, improving myself, you know? And so she helped me mentally get to a place in her health coaching. So I hired her as my health coach and and she got me to a place where I just love myself unconditionally now. And I see all of this energy freed up. And it's so cool because looking back on my life, I didn't really know I'd have that problem now, but God connected us six years ago so that we knew so that I knew who to reach out to now when I needed it most, because it was inhibiting the mom I wanted to be and inhibiting creating this coaching membership. How has that journey of getting your health where it needs to be both physically and mentally affected you as a mother to a girl, a daughter? Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a big deal. Honestly, every single day I'll tell both my kids, I'm like, I'll point out little things like, oh my gosh, look at your feet. Think about all the cool things your feet can do. You can run so fast or I'll randomly just say throughout the day, oh, look at your body. Your body's just the right size. And I think that's so important to instill because I, th- I think it's important to talk about things. And I remember when I was like in third grade, I noticed my body. I was a lot bigger than a lot of the other girls my age. I just matured a lot faster. I was just taller and bigger. And I equated that to meaning that that was a bad thing. 
And it's just sad. It's just dumb. And, and again, like I talked about earlier, I feel like that's one of the tools. I, th- I think our the adversary knows we have our mind and our body to as tools in our life. That's all we have. Like we have all these physical things around us that we're just loaned, right? Like our house, like and things like that, that are beautiful and help us can feel, help us feel good in our environment. But the thing that we can take with us are our minds and our bodies. And if you can attack those two things and occupy those two things, then we have nothing to accomplish the tools or, or excuse me, accomplish the mission we have in life. And so I just really want that to be an open conversation with them that it's going to be an opposition their whole lives. They'll see this ideal that society has put out there and they can choose to think positive things about themselves. And it's, it is a choice. How do you think having another child is going to change the dynamic of your family? That is such a good question. And I'm glad that we waited because for so many years, I was like, oh, I, I don't want the age gap to be too big. I love that Harris and Goldie have each other. And if this child comes like six years after they're born, then it will feel like an only child, the poor thing. And I'm like, okay, we just need to let all that go. I feel like I was putting all this pressure on myself. <laughs> and once I, and I was literally just like, God, please tell me if I'm supposed to have another child or not. Just like, tell me. And he doesn't work that way, right? We have our agency. We can choose what we want. And honestly, I think either choice would be fine. I think if we just had those two, it, we could have an amazing life. And I think if we have another baby, we can have an amazing life. And so once I decided, then there was like this piece that washed over me. And I just think Harrison Gold are going to be the cutest siblings. And I love the age gap now because first of all, they'll be able to help. I'm not going to be such a frantic mom that's like completely depleted. And that's the thing is if we, if I would have had another baby two years ago, I told my mom, I would literally have hated my life, you know, and I would have like made it work, but I just don't think I would have enjoyed it. And I've genuinely enjoyed Harrison Goldie. And so now that they're older and more self-sufficient, it'll be so nice just to like have them help me. And also I think it's cool for them to see like how, what I need to go through to get another baby. And I'm very open about them. Goldie is hilarious. Hearing a four-year-old ask when I'm going to get the polyps out of my uterus on a daily basis. is just never not hilarious. (laughs) She's like, mom, are the polyps still in your uterus? I'm like, yeah, they're still there, girl. (laughs) So funny. So I love including them and I think they will be great big siblings. I love that you're being so open and transparent with them about the good and the bad, right? The, yeah. the hardships that you have to do to bring a child into the world. And, you know, my girls were so young when all of them were born. I had three girls in four years, which mm. it's like still a blur, right? Yeah. But they don't fully understand, of course, how they, they don't understand at all yeah. how hard it was right. and what I had to put my body through in order to bring each of them into the world. And someday mm-hmm. we'll have that conversation. Yeah. Someday we'll have that conversation about like, yeah, this is what it was like. And this is what I had to do in order to bring you here. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm so grateful that I could do it. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't super hard. Right. So I am wishing you a much easier pregnancy as I'm sure everybody is. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Prayers prayers all around. I'm just going to request that prayers, prayers for me. Thank you. Yes. Well, (laughs) a lot of people are praying for you. I'm sure that all of your followers are praying for you. You just have this like light about you that makes people want to connect with you. It really is like one of your gifts. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. That's okay. Oh, well, that's nice of you. You don't have to say that just because you're on my podcast, Jenica. Okay. I take it back. Okay, good. Take it back. (laughs) It's not true. I love you. Um, what do you want people to feel when they come into your home? I love that question. I want them to feel the light of Christ. I think that's what it comes down to is that I think, and and that's really how I've tried to shape how I look at people because 
it's so easy to judge people. It's so easy to see the bad parts about people. That's not the, the hard thing is choosing to see them as children of God. And all of us are so imperfect. And when I look at people in that light, it's so easy to love them. And so I, I just want them to feel the light of Christ and just remember who they are when they're in my home. I love that. That is, I've asked almost every single one of our guests that question, and I've never had that response before. Interesting. That was a very thoughtful response. Oh, thank you. Where can people yeah. find you online? So I'm on the slice of sun dot infertility is the Instagram handle. And then the, the slice of sun.com. And then we also are, I also have a podcast called fearless infertility. So those are the three places, places I hang out the most. And then I have a personal Instagram account too, where Harrison Goldie make their appearance occasionally. <laughs> it's just my, my name, Jenica Parcel. And that's a good follow. Harrison Goldie and alone are a really oh good gosh. follow. Yeah, they're hilarious. Um, <laughs> how can people get involved with your cause if they think, oh, I really want to help with infertility? What can I do? I would say the first step is just to sign up for my newsletter. So you can go to the sliceofsun.com and then just put in your email and name. And I fill you in every week on ways you can get involved, tools you can use to apply right now during infertility. And then we have a private Facebook group that's really cool too, where people can connect with each other. And I think because infertility feels so vulnerable, it's nice to have a private group to connect with women that are also experiencing it. So that's called Fertility Family by the Slice of Sun. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to see you as always. You too. You're the best. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast, and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.